Thank you to our sponsors, Lead IQ, Costello, Sales Loft, WorkRamp, and DialPad for helping us produce this podcast. Head over to jbarrows.com slash blog for the highlights of this episode and explore resources you can use right away. Let's make it happen. Good afternoon, everybody. This is John Barrows with Make It Happen Monday. Hopefully you all had a fantastic weekend. I am very excited for this conversation because we got a two-for-one deal here, and it's coming from both sides of the house that I, that I love, but constantly are at odds with each other, and we're going to try to figure out some issues. So I'd like to introduce Dan O'Connell, who's this chief strategy officer, and Keith Messick, who is the CMO over at Dialpad. So gentlemen, introduce yourselves. I guess maybe, uh, Dan, you want to say hi? first yeah so dan so pleasure to be here thanks for thanks for having us um keith and i are actually sitting right next to each other so right there and do some, yeah. do some things that will annoy him um but quick background so i you know I, i'm the chief strategy officer and then um help run sales here at dialpad and dialpad acquired the business that i was running called talk iq about 18 months ago thrilled to come in here and talk about sales and pick on marketing a little bit i love it yeah, yeah. and so keith what's up man Hey, man, I'm Keith Messick, CMO at Dialpad. Happy to be here with two esteemed sales thought leaders and mostly impressed that both of you were able to set up your own technology without an SC. Right? Isn't that amazing? Big win. (laughs) Big win. I love it. Cool. So, so let's talk. I, this is something that, you know, I, so I graduated with my marketing degree and I kind of stumbled into sales, uh, just like everybody else does. That's my path. Then made it back to marketing. So Right. So we went back to, went back to kind of the roots. Right. And I think, you know, I've been, so I've now been in the business world like 20 plus years. Right. And I've been hearing about the sales and marketing divide since I came out of college and it's still there. And, and it seems like you guys over at Dialpad are doing some stuff that is, um, is different, which is why I want to have this conversation because it seems like you get along a lot better than most. And from a sales and marketing standpoint. And so could you, and, and Keith, I'm going to start with you as far as that, that experience you had with marketing, sales, marketing. Um, with that perspective, what, do you, what are you seeing as, as the biggest, what's the biggest gap? I guess, what, what is the biggest divide that you see between the two? And then we'll kind of talk about some of the things to do to, to address it. Yeah, I think that, I mean, listen, I think the best B2B CMOs have some sales experience. No, I'm obviously pretty biased with that. Mm-hmm. I also I like to hire a lot of marketers who have at least given it a shot in sales. Could be BDR, could be inside rep, didn't love it, didn't love the repetition of it, whatever it might be, but they know that it's a hard job. Yeah. So I think part of it is that marketers just don't really fully understand that it's a hard job, right? And you start at zero every period, whether that's monthly, quarterly, yearly. Um, you know, you're both expecting support from the organization and then the the organization is also expecting you to feed yourself at times. So I think it's just a hard job. And I think marketing doesn't really have a lot of empathy for how hard the job is. And how do you build that? Because, because you know, uh, Dan, I'll get to you in a second as far as on the flip side of that. But, but Keith, I want to dig into that a little bit. Like, you had the experience. I, I couldn't agree more. I actually think every role in the company should do some type of sales just for a period of time to see what it's like to get their teeth kicked in. Um, but how do you do that with, I mean, let's face it, the vast majority of people that get into marketing are, are marketing, right? So is there a way that something that you've done over at Dialpad to, to help marketing get that, that develop that empathy? Um, do you get them on the phones? Like what are some of the things you do? Yeah. So we definitely just had an all hands with my team and sort of reemphasize that like if, if you're f- trying to figure out what to do at any given moment and you don't have a task, 
then hop on a, a sales call or a customer call. Like oh, it's yeah. the best use of your time. Um, you'll never be like, well, I've heard enough sales calls, right? right. It also helps you with positioning. It helps like, where are we winning? Where are we losing? And I mean that if you're a designer, if you're an ABM, if you're obviously in your demand product marketing, so it doesn't really matter, sort of position agnostic. So I think that's one thing. Um, two is I think it's just a matter of like, I, I, everyone on my team is either creating demand or fulfilling demand. That's the way I sort of structure it. So even if you're sort of an emo designer, and they all are, let's be honest, um, I wave them as they walk by. Um, you're still like your work is not, it's not meant for your portfolio. That's a nice place for it to end up. It's meant for someone to see it and have some sort of emotional reaction to it or communicate some form of logic visually, whatever it is, so that we can create demand or fulfill demand. So I think part of it is just preaching that over and over and over again so that no one ever feels like, hey, like I'm in marketing, I don't have to care about that. Yeah. Um, the reality is, is if you're not selling anything, then you're not in marketing because you don't have a job. I love it. And, and, and Dan, from your side, like, what do you see? Cause I, I love the empathy side, right? Cause I think if, if each one of us kind of lived each other in each other's shoes for a little while, like we'd have a lot better understanding of how we can work together more effectively. What are you seeing from a sales standpoint? Cause I see sales reps, there's, I don't want to say an arrogance, but there's almost like this ugh, marketing because we're so used to this, like just the shit. Right. And we're all being asked to follow up on these trade show leads where somebody dumped their card into a, a bucket just for their squishy ball, but has zero interest in the product. And I, and now I'm being forced to call every one of those bag of shit clients and knowing that it's just going to waste of time. So I, I have this disdain for marketing. So how do you build empathy on the sales side of the house for marketing to understand that they're, they're part of this equation and they're helping us? Yeah. So I think in a, in a, in a couple of ways in the, the screen, the real, I just realized the way we have this set up, it might actually grab just show Keith. Is like, oh, there you go. Yeah. I got both of you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think when it starts at the top at the end of the day, yeah. um, and it, uh, it's all, and I'll get to a more specific answer, but it's always interesting to me when you get into an organization, how many times people kind of, um, I'll just slide over here. All right. yeah, sure. um, I think at times people become quick adversaries. Um, and that piece to me is always very interesting. And there's always this dynamic between sales and marketing leadership um, that plays out pretty much all the way down the line. Um, and I think for us, like Keith and I happen to get along really well. Um, I think we appreciate people's perspectives. Um, you know, running a startup in a past life, like you have to think about marketing, I've ran sales. And so I think we have a lot of overlapping experiences and that then bleeds down to the teams and they see, oh, well, Keith and Dan have a great partnership. So then we should be thinking about how to have a tighter partnership. So I do think it stems a little bit from the top of how does that leadership actually get along and interact? And I have worked at places where marketing and sales are adversaries at time and, and yeah. forget it. like, hey, you're part of the same team. Yep. I think the other thing when you get into when you get into like the marketing is their number the number one job for sales um, outside of of obviously generating revenue is how do we get every, how do we tell the same story? Yeah. Um, that ultimately comes down to the marketers are experts at that, and they should be the ones saying, "Hey, here's the best way to tell a story." And in order to tell that story really effectively or well, then that means you got to know the customer. And so I think we really embrace everybody from our product and our engineering team to our CEO. Everyone's got to be immersed in deals. And if you're not talking with customers, to no surprise, you're not going to market things well. You're not going to build the right things. You're not going to you're not going to know how to sell things. So I think we do our best to try to make that a focus and a, and a coherent piece of strategy kind of across all of Dialpad. 
I love it. And, and so how do you balance the controlling the message, right? Because I think that's one of the things I see a lot from, from marketing is they want to control the message, right? They, they want to make sure that, cause they've done research and all this other stuff. So, but, and so a lot of times they're turning sales reps into robots because they're saying, no, here's the template. Here's what you say, push that button. But so, so that's, that's too far on that side. But then there's the other side of the autonomy of a sales rep to kind of do and say whatever they want to do. What's, how do you guys figure out that balance of, of messaging? Because I, I talk a lot about the, like the difference between marketing messaging and sales messaging, and it's a real thing. You know, marketing is a lot more buzzword bingo type of stuff and, you know, and ROI things where sales is much more specific to the persona or whatever it is. But what do you guys do to balance that so that you're not turning the reps into robots, but you're still controlling it to a certain degree yeah i think it's less about controlling the message and sort of integrating instead of i focus on integrating the messaging okay. so like every rep is you if you just tell someone what to say and expect them to say it exactly like that it's always feels forced they're never comfortable with it so some reps sell they're very you know they're probably maybe even too far on the concierge side but they're you know they're they just build relationships and they integrate the messaging into their sort of normal communication. And you have others who are just sort of like it, all activity, all activity, all activity. Right. And in their world, they're just trying to find like, what's the 15 second thing that I can get? Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. and then, and then it's just a matter of supporting them. Like marketing needs to be an expert on value mm -hmm. on customers. Right. And then how you like, it's not about knowing what to say. It's really sort of knowing when to say something. Hmm. Like, I think that's really where people get screwy is if you just turn everything into a script, it feels like a script, nobody wants a script. And then you end up in these calls, um, you know, where someone six, seven minutes in is like, hey, like, hey, so, sorry, I, I must have missed it. But what, what do you guys do again? Like, because like, it just has felt so unnatural mm -hmm. that they're not exactly sure. Like, they, I think I know what you do, but you sort of just read the script and it, let me just reconfirm. Let's check in that that's what you do. Yeah. Um, so I think a lot about integrating messaging more than controlling it. Oh, okay. And then um, real quick, I want to go back to empathy on, for the heads of marketing. The one thing I will say about sales is not everyone in the org thinks they can be in sales, but fuck, does everyone in the organization think they can run marketing? It just <laughs> really clear. Like, yeah. Everyone's got an opinion on every oh, word, see, yeah, every yeah. picture, every everything. Oh, it's God, a real yeah. charming part of the job. So I just want to make sure for any marketers listening there, that. I see you. I never do that. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Well, that's why I like my, so my buddy used to do websites and when he would do a website, he would, he does it black and white grayscale and Loris Ipsum, blah, blah, blah. So just to show the framework, because as soon as you put colors on there, as soon as you put any verbiage on there, literally everybody's a marketer. Oh, I don't like that color. Oh, no, 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 no. It could be a shade better. It's like, shut up. Just could, can we agree to this framework here? Right. Um, Dan, Dan, how do you, so going off what Keith said there, as far as the, you know, integrating messaging versus controlling it. How do you like coach your reps or the reps on the team to, to be natural, but still follow somewhat of a structure that can be, you know, that can be taught and scaled? Yeah. So this, the structure and scale comes from onboarding. And, and I would say like product certification, we do practice of pitches. We make sure that those, those pitches, yes, there is a script, like what do you say? It's not even a script. It's what are the values and guidelines and the key points that you want to hear? How you deliver that message is then something that the individual managers have to coach through. 
I think yeah. like the biggest thing that gets lacked when you get into scripting ultimately comes down to it doesn't sound authentic and right. and I would actually argue that those two those two key elements are probably what what separate good from great is that it actually sounds natural and sounds like hey I'm not using the I'm not using enterprise AI and I drive down 101 and sell billboards and I'm like what right. the heck? I don't know what that is right um so it's a balance of look you got to talk in normal terms and making sure that we actually can understand that there's a consistent message around that and some consistent language that we use for it yeah because i think that's like that's the challenge right is 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 when a rep starts they don't know what they don't know right so it's almost like you know my at least my approach to this like when when morgan came on board with me to do sales training right like i I gave him my deck and i was like look i i need you to i need you to like i'm gonna write the notes and i'm gonna gonna have you watch me and i want you to deliver it like i deliver it right because i want to make sure that you can go through the deck and figure out the timing of those things right and so i quote unquote certified him on the deck but then i told him right after he was certified i said look if i come back and i audit one of your courses and jump in maybe 3 months later and you're still telling the exact same stories that i have you know those all these things then i'm going to be pissed so you you have to make it your own right but how do you get how do you get the reps to do that cuz i feel i feel like so many reps just go through the motions because that's what they're told to do, right? They push the button on the cadence. They, they make the cold call with the script. You know, they, they, I mean, demos are literally one of my least favorite things ever, right? right. Because every fucking demo is exactly the same. They, hey, is this still a good time? Okay, we'll get about a 30 minute demo here that I'd like to go through. If you have any questions as we go through it, just let me know, okay. And then they press play and they go through every fucking slide like they were badged for and then they get the end and they are, oh, you know, does that make sense? So like, how do you coach uh, being normal, I guess? What? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that was, that was amazing rendition. So <laughs> actually taking that in for a moment. Yeah, I think, look, like there's two ways. Um, one is I actually think I would, well, what I would say is that actually falls to the manager. And I think a lot of reps actually fail, not because of, look, like you got to have good onboarding, you got to have good messaging. Sure. Um, then there's the, the approach that I've seen done in plenty of startups, which is, Hey, we're just going to push the rep off the ledge into the deep end and then hope that they figure this out. And I can tell you that's not, they're not going to, some of them, look, some of them will figure it out. The vast majority are not. Yeah. And then it comes down to like, hey, well, what do you do? What is your sales manager doing? And I think that's why you've seen a lot of investment in, in, in different types of companies that are, that are helping solve that. But it really comes down to like, look, does your manager actually coach, spend time coaching people and giving them that feedback, which is like, hey, you're awkward or you sound too scripted or um, I need you to loosen up and use your own verbiage and language. And when it gets down to it, you know, when you talk to managers, a lot of their time is not being spent on calls. And then if you go talk to the AEs, a common complaint that will be that they may say around a manager is they don't know the product. And then that will actually get pushed up across an organization to like, does your does no does does your CMO know the product? Can they do a pitch? Can your can your VP of engineering give a pitch? And that's where I think the breakdown all starts to happen. Why I say like a lot of this starts from the top of look, you got to have that product knowledge and that message from the top down and demonstrate that expertise. And you need to then I'm I'm giving a little bit of a long winded answer. The day to day of the managers has to be coaching. It has to be providing value and giving that pointed feedback because it's much like it's like a hitting coach. Most people, if you give them a bat, even if they've never played baseball, will pick it up and know how to at least swing. 
Yep. They're going to be hitches. They're going to step in the bucket. Like they're going to do all sorts of different things. And that nuance becomes really important. And, and again, what kind of separates people that are effective and people that aren't effective. Yeah. Yeah. I think that it's, you know, I, I go over, you know, my whole connection between sales and marketing is uh, context over content. Yep. Right. So I, I always say, you know, this is Gary V, right? He says, everybody talks content is king, content is king. Fine. If content is king, context is God. To me, that's marketing and sales, right? Marketing is content and sales is context. If we as sales reps can't put any context around the content that we're putting out there, we're no different than marketing. And I, I have no idea why we're getting paid to do what we do. You know what I mean? Um, so, so, so like, a lot of that comes into that sort of hustle too. I mean, a lot like, you know, the reps who, practice their craft right you know what i mean when they're not on a call and they're not prospecting they're listening to someone else do it like you can't you know what i mean like you can instrument um you can you know you can here's the process here's this here's that but at some point there's just someone sitting next to someone else and one of those people cares more and so then it comes down to hiring firing and coaching yeah, it's it's crazy. Like if you think of any sport, right? Like most sports are ninety percent practice, ten percent application, right? Sales is pretty much a hundred percent application, and we're practicing on the job. Yep. The fact that people don't take time to do role play, don't take time to do like listen in on calls and and dissect them and reverse engineer bad deals and those type of things, close loss, you know that type of stuff, like. It blows me away, right? I mean, I get it because we're being forced, oh, you know, every month. Okay, and, you know, type of, right? Well, it comes to priorities, right? And I think, right. again, like setting a culture, getting people to understand like what's the best use of your time. Yeah. Going to that meeting, right? Or getting pulled into to actually sitting down as you said, and calling and from it. Yeah. Let, let me ask, I'm going to shift gears a little bit because I'm curious on, on both of your perspective on, on MQL versus SQL like defining it and, and so that we're not yelling because, because that's the other thing going back to my example of, you know, trade show shitty leads, go follow up with them. These are all great leads and no, they're not. So, so how do you guys deal with that? Like defining what it means so that you can actually track, really track what works, what doesn't, what, where the channels are that are driving the best. Like, could you kind of give me some insight there? Cause I've lost that insight a long time ago. (laughs) <laughs> um, we actually just do, we do what we call TQLs, total qualified leads. Okay. So get, and then the next step is sales accepted. Yeah. Right. So, and the bar for TQL is actually pretty high. It's mm-hmm. in, it's so, so um, trade shows do not make the TQL list. We, they get put, they get nurtured, unless there was like a very specific uh, communicate, like with a rep there and the rep yeah. has claimed it and the rep has moved it to, um, an SAL, then they they would never see those until they bubble up into the TQL thing. So we just did like the, the war for attribution is sort of like the least interesting fight in all of business. And it's sort of one where like, I, the only time I've ever seen people really give a shit about attribution is when things aren't going well. So it's a pretty good, like when everybody's above quota, no one's like, where'd that lead come from? Nobody gives a shit. So So I always think like, Hey, like you're, there's something wrong and at lead attribution probably isn't it. So let's fix the actual because yeah. when, when you're on the way up, no one gives a shit. Yeah. Um, so one is this, we just did away with marketing qualified versus sell qualified. We, everyone's leads go into one bucket. That bucket has a pretty high bar. Um, and then, then we convert the waterfall starts at sales accepted and then to opportunity. 
So one, it just simplifies reporting. Yeah. And then we, do, we handle exceptions. Like one of the things we do here is we, re, we report by lead source, we report by all those things. And if there's some exception, then we always handle it. Like, yeah. you know, like, yeah, marketing, it was a marketing lead 12 months ago, but I just talked to them. I mean, that this falls like directly in my don't give a shit bucket. Like, yeah. sure, dude, you can have it. Like, yeah. I don't, yeah. we don't really fight for those things. Yeah. And, 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 you know, Dan, how do you prevent sales reps? And I don't think sandbagging is the right word, but, but like getting a, a legit, so in whatever your definition of total qualified lead is, right? Say that flips over to me and I use the SDR BAE example here, right? SDR calls in, they, they, you know, they get a good, con- like, let's use Bant. Like I fucking hate Bant, right? But, but you know, what happens is some, a lot of companies still use that. And so to me, I only care about need. So say you flip it over to an AE and you got a lazy AE, right? Who's like, you know what they get on and the person says, Oh yeah, I'm interested. But I actually don't have any budget for that right now, but I'd still be reason to talk. And the AE then flips it back over and says, that was bullshit. You know what I mean? And if they just were worth anything, they could have uncovered and driven that urgency. So how do you prevent that from once it gets the TQL uh, to then to, to then a sales accepted lead to then being like, yeah, yeah, no, this wasn't me. Or I'm sandbagging because it's not an opportunity. Like I'm going to put it as a zero out. Yeah, so two, so two things that I think personally should get tracked is, is tracking on both sides. Cool. Um, and I've seen this like running SDR organizations in the past is like one is you got to track like, hey, to actually go through, say a lead comes in from a trade show, whatever it might be. Yeah. Okay, it goes to an SDR team and be like, hey, you got to go qualify and it's got to go hit these things before you go send an appointment for, for somebody in sales. And then we'd call it like checking quality for sales, um, which is something I'm also interested in in running sales orgs, which is like, okay, great. This SDR, they sent over 10, uh, they set 10 appointments. We can then go look at those 10 appointments on the sales side to say like, would that salesperson agree that those were 10 qualified appointments? And if that person comes back and says, no, only one of them is, then there's some breakdown in the process, right? Either the qualification's wrong or there's a breakdown the way the sales rep is actually doing it. And I'm not sure everyone does that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that, again, kind of solves the problem of what you're bringing up, which is right. you got to look at not just the number of appointments that are being set on, and I'm just picking on, on yeah. SDR, BDRs for this example, but then you have to go check quality. Um, and then you've got to look at those two data points to figure out like, where's the discrepancy? And if there is a breakdown, what's the breakdown of it? Yeah. Cause I mean, that's where I see the biggest frustration, right? And it's, it's marketing SDR to AE. It's like, you know, the SDR role just, you know, that. That's rough, right? Well, we so, also have like the funny thing is, I would say the this process is I I hate the phrase sales and marketing alignment because it yeah. it oh, usually only gets uttered my direction in some sort of like bullshit <laughs> way that doesn't mean anything. I'm like, so what do you mean by that? And right. usually the person saying that says, I don't know. I read a blog over the weekend and yeah. this seems like the right thing to say. So, um, but this process is where you have to be aligned. Um, and, you know, we'll see, you know, I think every marketer um, has the same problem sometimes. Like, you know, someone comes to a web form, they fill it out, they want to talk to a rep or, you know, it's like I requested them, whatever it is, you know, you have to, someone has to contact that person. Like, it's just bad for the brand otherwise. Yeah. Like, either take the form off right. or, but you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know how to score their intent beyond just sort of like, hey, they, they've contact sales. Like, right. like, I think you're going to have to contact them back. I'm not sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think we've, 
we we actually don't have this that much. It bubbles up every now and then. I mean, one of the things is I think because I used to be in sales, like I like when I first got here, um, you know, we count. I looked at the the, the previous board deck, which is okay. sort of the first thing you do, and we counted a lot of volume from like free try free signups for one of our other products. Yeah. And I mean, these are so far from being actual leads. Yeah. So I probably cut between like my first month there, I cut probably 90% of the leads out of the reporting. Mm -hmm. The one is just like being realistic. Like there's no, I don't think there's, there's, I I don't get a trophy or a sticker or a bonus for leads. I only get it for revenue. So there's not a lot of incentive to, to sort of, you know, vanity metrics, right? At the end of the day. So, so, and that kind of leads to another thing as far as like, cause you, what you're talking about there is, is the shift really to quality over quantity, right? Like we really want to be focusing on the right things. So where, where are you guys on ABM? Like, you know, the account-based marketing and all that stuff, like where, and how does that truly align on the sales side of the house for you guys? ABM is probably one of the things that we do best okay. on demand. Um, so we just identify everyone's top accounts. We throw them into the pile. Um, we use, you know, obviously technology for that and we create content specifically for that. And we just done a lot of targeted events. I mean, the reality is, is if, if your LTV can support it, then like people, like people, dinners, games, Mm -hmm. you know, networking events, they work, right? Mm -hmm. If you do them of high quality, like I think the first pass at ABM was like, we're going to be really sophisticated and you know what I mean? Like, we're just going to. They're going to target this and it'll show, we'll retarget, here's some content and all this. And then there's also just the pieces like, hey, I've got two tickets to the Warriors game. Do you want to go? It's amazing how many people want to go to the Warriors game, right? Sometimes I just think like we sort of over index and sort of like, let's be really sophisticated versus, um, hey, sometimes people like to be spiffed. Like, so we balance that. Plus we do a lot of direct mail, which has been... um, if there's one place where we get called in the attribution more, it's it's direct mail because we set up we set it up. We also do a lot of automated outbound. Yeah. Plus, we ride everything, right. and then so Dan's team hits a button and wants credit for it. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't know, like yeah. the button and keep the credit. So we fight about that sometimes. Uh, um, yeah, Dan, what's your what's your sales team's role in in ABM and how do they look at it? Yeah, so I think um, what Keith highlighted, um, very specific outreach and events, um, had great success on kind of, I would say like pulling back on trade shows and doing a lot more investment. Proprietary events. um, Yep. Yeah, however you want to frame them. Um, Also adding like plus ones to those events too is just something I was going to add on. um, Cool. You know, there's a lot of times like you'll get invited to something and you're like, ah, like last minute you always know somebody's going to bail on something. It's like, hey, here's a cool event. Um, you can bring a plus one to it. And I think that's interesting for, you know, that partner, spouse, whatever it might be, um, to go and kind of learn a little bit about what their significant other is doing. Mm-hmm. It's kind of interesting. Um, we've seen great results on that. I think the team likes it, gives them focus, right? And as I said, it's another utility and tool. Again, we get into like kind of the buzzwords of like ABM. And I'm like, I don't know. All just of sales, like everything kind of just goes around in circles. I'm yeah. like, I don't know. Is it rocket science? Hey, pick your yeah. topic. 
else. And we'll be strategic on what we invite them to. Like, just, I mean, in five more years, somebody else yes. is going to come up with another word for it. Yes. I don't know if it's ever been like a trend or not. It's good marketing. Seems, seems logical <laughs> and reasonable thing to go into. I, that's why it's like, it's like acronyms, right? It like cracks me up. It's like, you just come up with a new acronym so you can market it. So you could take credit for it and write a book about it. And then all of a sudden, you know what I mean? It's, it's like, like the one marketing. It was like Peppers and Rogers. I'm old enough to remember that. Yeah. And um, yeah. And then I we were old. <laughs> and then, and then, then when all they did was just take that and turn it into software. And I was like, wait, this is the same thing that's been around forever, right. but um, you got to sell software. Man. But the well, team, you know, the team, if you ask them, Hey, do you want to go work at trade booth floor? Yeah. Right. Do you want to go show up at the Chase Center and, and hang out with your top accounts and, and build a relationship with another CIO or CRO or VPSA, whoever they're selling to, right? Yeah. They opt 99.9% of the time for that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's also, you can you almost look at it as a little bit of a spiff to the rep too, right? It's like if I'm, if I'm inside all the time and I'm making calls and, and, and I get to you know, go to that event and meet my clients. If you, if I drive a certain amount of them there, then that's kind of benefit to everybody. Right. Yeah. And some, I mean, there are startups in the world that pitch the, Hey, go work. The trade show floor is the spiff in, um, you know, X, Y, and Z city. At right. Indiana. And I'm like, yeah. I, I don't necessarily know if that's always been a spiff. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, our team will now hear, we do have our team work the tribute, so I know they will all come. They'll be like, listen to you on the podcast when you said yeah, that. Yeah, that's like, right. You're not tricking me anymore. Yeah, the, <laughs> you know, I say that. The other thing about proprietary events is you get both prospects and customers in one place, and that's a yeah. dream scenario. They sell themselves, right? Yeah, th- yeah. absolutely. Like, yeah. it's, you know, like, it's usually um, an engaged customer, right? And, yeah. you know, they're, and so they're there, and... It's just a nice way to get people talking on your behalf, which is the best marketing ever. Totally. Uh, so we've definitely, we've, we've worked proprietary events hard in the past year. And, and from a, from a voice standpoint, cause you're right. I think the customer's voice, right. Is what, is what you want. Like me telling you how great I am, who gives a shit, like, but my client saying, Hey, so, so how do you get that voice? Like how much engagement do you guys do with your customers on both sides? Right. Because I think, you know, interviewing, like I, I had, when Morgan came on board, what he did was I gave him my top 10 clients and I didn't give him my ICP. I said, these are the top 10 clients that we work with. I want you to go research them and interview them and figure out what the commonalities are so that you understand what our ICP is. And the same thing with personas. I said, look, these are our three personas, VPs of sales, VPs of enablement, VPs of, uh, of, uh, or CROs. And I said, I'm not going to tell you what they care about. I want you to go do research and I want you to go interview some. So with that context, he was able to go out and have much better conversations when he was out there. How much do you integrate or, or how do you integrate the voice of the customer into, to what you're doing? Let me take that one. Yeah, I was, yeah, go for it. You're on a roll. Am I? I feel like I'm talking too much. <laughs> I defer to you, and then I'll correct you. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, so we do a couple of different things, like customer advisory boards. We do once a quarter. Um, okay. That's base of like how do we bring marketing, sales, and then obviously a product and engineering all to the mix of um, you know some of our 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 largest customers, also some new customers. Mm-hmm. They represent different buyers. We sell three different products to three different buyers. So it's also yep. a pretty nice mix of like, you have VP of sales, VP of customer success, and you got a CIO or a COO in the room too. Um, so those are pieces that break down those walls and really allow people to go and hear the pain, um, right, or the frustration, also the good things directly. Yeah. Other things we do is I think it's, it's always interesting when you work on, um, you know, with engineering and product teams. 
um, is when somebody, you know, somebody churns out or somebody's really frustrated, um, is sharing that email directly with the engineer that's building that feature. Yeah. And if you want to motivate an engineer or somebody to do something, literally go and show them, hey, here's $100,000 yield that I just lost because X, Y, and Z didn't work. Yeah. Um, that's probably the only way that you will motivate them. They have to yeah. literally see it and feel it and realize that it costs revenue for them to go and fix. Mm-hmm. So sometimes it does, you know, it does fall to sales to go and do some of the dirty work of like, I literally have to go and drag this person onto a call or into an email thread, but they need to hear it. And it takes a little bit of extra effort. Yeah. But I don't think it's super effective for teams to sit behind ticketing systems and say, hey, here's the most common feature request right. and blah, 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 blah. Like nobody feels the pain from that. It's all nice to have. Um, so those are some ways that we actually try to gather the voice of the customer. Some of it's a little bit of, of heavy handed legwork, but I think it's valuable and needed and necessary and gets past, um, gets, doesn't get done by, by other places. And then a lot of it is like some structured events, as I said, is kind of customer advisory boards and things of that nature. Keith, your color commentary that everyone is waiting for, please. Yeah, I, actually, that was pretty good. Um, <laughs> I, I was going to say, I think um, all or well, a lot of organizations fall into the same trap is that they just want to talk to their happiest customers. Yeah. But you yeah. don't learn a ton from them. I mean, you know, what I mean? like, like we've got a couple, we've got some customers who love us so much. And I'm like, I love you too, Michael. You're amazing. Like, we'll take any reference call. We'll yeah. show up event like who do you want me to talk to like like you couldn't have a bigger advocate but you also need to talk to the person who's like hey this sucked like right and i think you have to just sort of like culturally believe that that you have to prepare yourself because those are the those conversations are not fun nope um but they're where you're going to learn the most like and and oftentimes it's also where you learn where like there was a breakdown in the sales process yeah there was a breakdown in the marketing messaging like we we were like, it works in any part of the world. Maybe that was true. Maybe it wasn't. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So like things like that where you're like, okay, well, shit, like this, maybe it is a product problem. Maybe we oversold it. Maybe we, whatever it may be. Yeah. But um, if you're just trying to talk to the people who love you, I don't think you get very good information. Yeah. Actually, I forgot to mention that the other thing was like, I gave them my 10 best customers, but I also gave them the customers that not, not weren't, weren't, weren't overly unhappy, but I said like, we should be doing more business with them. Like they, we did, I did one session. I got great feedback and all that other stuff, but they now, they, they didn't follow up with something else. So go ask them why. Go ask them why they didn't do a second session with me, a third session with me, or invest in our online portal. Because I want to know that. Because there's some real stuff there, right? Like it's they have internal resources and they took it on themselves or whatever it was. Because now that insight will help you sell better, right? And you made a good point earlier, which is um, you know doing post mortems and five whys, and a lot yeah. of stuff that gets done on, on from a product and engineering angle, and less so on kind of deal reviews, which is and you see yeah. it in sales. It's like, hey, this deal pushed or eleventh hour, you know something balked and, and, and it didn't happen. Um, and actually taking a moment to, you know, to go and actually review that and figure out well, where, where was the breakdown? Was it in the process? Could we have done something differently? I think it's, it's something that gets skipped. Love it. Cool. Uh, we're coming up on the half hour here. Any, any other specific, like any like tactical things that you guys are doing that you, that, that probably most aren't to, to help with that sales and marketing alignment. Um, that, uh, <laughs> but any, any other kind of tips that, that people could at least consider or, or think about doing in their organizations? Yeah, I think, um, 
you know, Keith and I talk a lot about BDR, SDR orgs. Um, I think we debate a lot about how much specialization is actually necessary in an org, um, speed to lead. Yep. Does, do you actually need to involve SDRs or BDRs in touching opportunities that come in all of the time? Okay. okay. I have my own thoughts on that stuff, but yep. we have generally pretty solid alignment of how we think about, look, like BDR, SDR, I put it in the marketing camp. Um, that's yep. the role, that's the task. Um, and then in terms of just, you know, specialization is necessary, but um, at times I don't think it's always needed. Actually, real quick before Keith, uh, I forget, who who, uh, who does the SDR, BDR uh, org line up to? Is it marketing or sales? We just made a flip over to marketing. Yeah, uh, I see. Uh, I see. I see this happening all over the place. I know it. I also just took on sales enablement as well. Okay. Yeah. And cool. I, the reason I did that, um, I, I felt like there were too many weird, hard lines between go-to-market, product marketing, and sales enablement. Yeah. And I view them all like as the same thing. I mean, yeah. like when I, I, I used to work at product marketing years ago at Success Factors, and I spent 99% of my time with the enterprise sales team. Yeah. Like, I, like you would have never known I was in marketing. And here, I, I think we have... We, we had too many like divisions, but of just, and it's all the same work. It's just yeah. like one person's turning into a program, one person's turning it in. So we just, I just took on sales enablement because I'm trying to smash all those groups together and get them all like your job is sales enablement, yeah. period. Right. Um, you know, this person's job is just to turn that into a program and like e-learning or whatever it may be and to work with the managers for like consistent follow-up. But um, yeah, so SDRs, BDRs into marketing, Helps us control messaging there. It also like just gets everyone bought into the early stages of the funnel. I think. Um, but back to your question around alignment, I think like the two things I see: one, you just have to agree, like you have to find a a top of funnel like definition that you agree on, and you can't leave the room until you agree on it. And then neither fucking party can pretend they don't agree with it. Like, which is the most important thing. Like, you have to like say to everyone, we agree on this. Because yep. um, what happens is like, as soon as the numbers go down, everyone starts blaming everyone. So you can't do that. No. The other thing, and I think marketing departments are really bad at this, is like, it's hard to align on 7,000 things. <laughs> like yeah. in your personal life, in your yeah. professional life, like anything. So like, and marketing is like a little bit of like, we, you know, activity. It's like, well, I checked, I did 50 data sheets. And so my job's complete. <laughs> and so um, so I'm working really hard right now. And we've fallen into this trap as well, where it's like, hey, like there's 400 pieces of sales collateral. 400 pieces of sales collateral can't be important, <laughs> no, right? No but way. someone's just cranking shit out and they're cranking out and it's vertical marketing, it's all this. And so we're just simplifying, like greatly simplifying. It's like, here's the five things that matter. Yeah. And now your job is to keep those five things completely up to date. Yeah. And and sure that the reps understand those five things and all of the changes. And we're just going to do that for a couple of quarters. And and number six doesn't exist. So if someone says, I really need that. I call it the PDF to President's Club. But like, if I just had that PDF, I would have made President's Club. And that's never, ever happened. It's never oh, come true ever once in the history of sales. That needs to be your new t-shirt. It is. <laughs> your t-shirt should say, fuck your PDF. Exactly. Exactly. Nobody cares. Exactly. exactly. So we're simplifying pretty greatly. And then I think you can align on five things. I don't think you can align on 50. 
No, I agree. Like we did that last year. Like I, we were tracking everything last year, every social metric, every engagement piece you could. And I had this spreadsheet where honestly, for the first like couple of months, I was like, oh, cool. it was such an eyesore. And then after three months, I was like, I honestly don't give a shit about any of this because none of it matters to me at this point. Yes, there were some things in there, but it was so it was such lost in the noise that I stopped paying attention to it. And but the problem was I I my team because I told them to track all this shit. They kept tracking all of it. And I checked out literally three months in. I should have told them to cut the shit, you know, at that point. Um, but I didn't. And they they wasted a whole bunch of time last year tracking a whole bunch of metrics that ultimately didn't matter at all. So it's I, I agree with you. Just like cut down what are the five key things that, that matter here and then move the dial. And then let's take a look at it next quarter and see if they're if they've changed. That's right. Uh, Awesome, guys. Well, it's been a fantastic conversation. I appreciate it. Uh, any last-minute comments that you want to make for everybody? I mean, well, well, let me uh, tell me a little bit uh, about how people can get to, the, like, what you want people to know as far as Dialpad, as far as how to get connected with you guys, what you guys are focused on these days, like hiring or any of that stuff. Yeah, I think... I, was, I can take it. You want to take it? I'll say, well, first of all, Dialpad.com. Yep. That's easy. Yep. Um, two, for all the salespeople, like, we, we just launched a product probably two quarters ago. That's really like a phone just built for sales teams. Um, We thought we talk a lot here. You may see this as well as like sales has become the crutch in sales that no one wants to talk about is email. (sighs) And everyone just wants to blast an email sequence Uh out for people to raise their hand and be like, Oh, cool. That email really just. And so um, we see this even in our hiring of like just generationally, a lot of people aren't super comfortable on the phone. Yeah. Um, so we actually, the when we acquired Dan's company, one of the things we loved was sort of the in-call coaching. So like literally like I'm on the phone, I'm a new rep, someone asks a question. Part of inside sales is just finding the shit. All, yep. You know what I mean? Like here's a battle card and here's a thing and I don't know that. And so, you know, using NLP and AI, we actually surface those answers right there on the screen. That's awesome. So we can, you know, the goal is to try and take a noob rep and get them like comfortable as fast as possible. So um, you should check that out. It's called Dialpad Sell. We'll cut yeah, you a deal. And by deal, we'll sell it to you at list, but then we'll sell you <laughs> something else. Love it. I love it. Yeah, no, I've actually checked it out. And we got, we're seeing the same thing, by the way, as far like, that's why we came up with our keep dialing workshop because we're actually seeing phone now being a, a competitive advantage, right? And, and it's the one thing that computers can't do, right? I, I don't need, I don't, I honestly don't need a sales rep to send out emails. I, I really don't. Yep. Right. So uh, Dan, any, any uh, last thoughts of what you want uh, from a sales standpoint at your hire, like those type of things people find out? Yeah. So as Keith said, um, just go check us out at dialpad.com. You can yeah. connect with us on LinkedIn and find us there. I'm happy to continue the conversation otherwise. Awesome. Well, thank you guys both for coming on. I, I, I wish that more uh, uh, sales and marketing organizations got along as, as well as you do. Cause I, cause to your point, like I just see them fighting all the time and it just works so much better when we work together here and we all have that common goal, right? Yeah. We're huddled around a little screen here. Right. Oh, yeah. Look at this. Yeah. yeah see, it's, it's nice. one big happy family. So <laughs> awesome. Well, again, hopefully everybody got as much value out of this as I did. Um, if you have any information, just go to dialpad.com. Check out Dan and Keith on LinkedIn. And uh, yeah, like I say all the time, if, uh, if you had a bad day or anything like that, do one thing today and make somebody smile. Because if you make somebody smile, no matter how bad your day went, you know you had a good day. Right? It made a difference in somebody's life. So, right? It's good to talk to you. Great talking to you too, guys. Thank you very much. Have a great day. Cheers.